0: Hey guys, it's Ali. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 52 called, Natalie. On this episode, I'm partnering with Extend Fertility, which was founded on the premise that democratizing egg freezing could ultimately change the fertility industry and deliver better results. Their co-founder, Dr. Joshua Klein, who is near and dear to my heart because he was actually my doctor, and you may have heard me interview him in episode 36 of this podcast, is a brilliant, supportive, and overall awesome doctor. And he's a bit of a disruptor because when he observed that IVF's success rate was low for women over 40, and its high cost was disappointing for doctors and patients alike, he took matters into his own hands. He saw the opportunity to help women think more proactively about their fertility and he founded Extend Fertility, which began offering egg freezing at 40% below the national average. By 2017, they were the largest egg freezing practice in the nation. And today, they've expanded to offer a full range of infertility services, including IVF, in a small practice environment that's more personal, higher quality, and more data driven. So to make an appointment with Extend or find out more, go to extendfertility.com and make sure to tell them that Infertile AF sent you. Thanks. So what can I tell you guys about the gorgeous and lovely Natalie Carpenter, who is my guest today? She and I met through this infertility community and she and I have become good friends. And she is very like-minded in that she has gone through infertility. In fact, she's still in the midst of her story as you will hear. So she doesn't really have an ending there yet and she's not really sure what's gonna happen. So we talk about that. But she started this space and this started out as a blog and is also Instagram and social media called Fertilist and it's a fertility inspired wellness and nutrition site and community and place where people can go and connect. She's got really great information and she's all about connecting people who are going through this much like I am. So we hit it off right away, and today you're gonna hear all about her particular journey, which includes everything from silent endometriosis to pity parties that she would have for herself after a failed cycle, to what happened with her various IVF cycles. So I will say she does have a baby daughter, But like I said, she's not quite sure what's going to happen next. So I'm going to let her tell you the rest. So Natalie, I love you, girl. And without further ado, this is Natalie's infertility story. So tell me how this all began for you. Did you always want to have kids? So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. You're very welcome. Um, Thank you for doing this.
1: I am really excited to be here. And I would say that I knew that kids would be an eventually and they were not a right now Mm -hmm. for a very long time. And then all of a sudden when right now happened. It didn't actually ever happen, so I think that that was the hardest part was waiting until I was ready mm-hmm. for so long mm-hmm. until I was around thirty-four. Okay. And then when I thought the time was right, it was more like a default, like, "Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be right because I'm thirty-four and I should just be doing this, and and this is the time." and Everyone would tell me, well, you know, you don't really know what you're getting into, and you're not actually really going to, like, want kids until you have them kind of a thing, and, and to be perfectly candid, I didn't necessarily want, and I guess I got my wish in okay. that regard. it took a really long time and because I didn't want them right away and then I couldn't have them then I really wanted them because I realized how hard it was going to be to get there
0: right so tell me about leading up to 34 were you how old were you when you got married and what was going on that you did want to wait
1: a couple of things I think I I wanted to live I wanted to be able to do the things like travel and all of those things happened I mean, there's never enough time to travel, but all of the other things were happening and happened. Um, So when I got married just shy of 34, Mm -hmm. um, I thought, well, this is a, this is it. You know, we're going to move into this next cycle. We've been, no pun intended. Mm -hmm. We had been dating for a few years before we got married. So I just thought that everything would happen like that. Right. You know, we would not not try for a while, and mm-hmm. then everything would fall into place because that's, that's
0: what happens. Usually, what happens, right? Sure.
1: And this is also back at this point. We got married in um, August of 2013, so we were not not trying uh, for a few months. You know, post wedding, mm-hmm. and I think 2014 is when I was chatting with a girlfriend, and she said, "Hey, you know." Have you ever thought about, you know, just getting checked out just to make sure everything is good, you know, just so that you don't have any issues? And to be totally, like, honest, I didn't actually even think that there would be issues until she said something to me like, oh, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Why would there be any issues? What are you talking about? And this is before anyone was talking about it, really. Mm -hmm. She said, oh, you know, it's good just to go get checked out. And first things first, I didn't really know how to go about it. I, I just said, okay, well who do I go see? Who's your doctor? And so she referred me right away to a fertility specialist, Mm -hmm. which in retrospect is not where I would have begun. In retrospect, knowing now all the things I know, I would have gone to an endocrinologist first and gotten all of my tests and all of the things and a full blood panel, not just for FSH and AMH and checking out my thyroid and all of the things, but I would have wanted to know what my iron values were, my vitamin D and, um, my cortisol levels. Like those were the things and and that probably would have been a better
0: place to start. Okay. That's interesting that you say that because people might learn from that now is maybe start there instead of going right to an RE, right?
1: Right. I went straight to her, my friend's RE uh-huh. and, you know, immediately the alarm bells started sounding. And, you know, I had this doctor who said, well, you know, everything looks fine and all the tests are great. And we did an HSG because I had had earlier episodes of what we thought was scar tissue and and such. Um, I had had um, an appendectomy at 11, okay. uh, strangulated bowels at 22 that they thought was as a result of my appendectomy. Mm-hmm. And so my first RE thought, well, you know, let's just do this HSG to make sure there is no, there's no cobwebs. There's no, mm. like, there's no anything blocking your tubes. And so we did. And my tubes were clear. Mm-hmm. But my doctor at the time said, well, you know, I think that perhaps we should go in and, and clear out any scar tissue we can find. Because you'll have a better shot at getting pregnant. And that scared the shit out of me. Because why? Why do I need to jump into a surgery? You know, like right. what does
0: that mean? Like, so scar tissue from the appendectomy. Yeah, and That's it wasn't were, showing okay.
1: up in anything. But this huh. doctor said, well, you know, th- this this could be the case. And he was a little old school, a little old, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of the new wave and, and frame of thought in the space is to, you know, be as as low invasive as as possible, not jump right into a surgery. Right. So that was my hunch. I didn't actually know that at the time, but that actually was validated Mm -hmm. when I got a second opinion. So I got a second opinion at a different um, hospital and clinic, Mm -hmm. met with the medical director, thought, you know, well, he is, he's really great. This is fantastic. Okay. I don't need to do anything crazy like a surgery. And we can kind of just like ease into all of this. And that was like the last I ever saw him again. Okay. I saw his nurse all of the time. And she was not my person. Mm. (laughs) And she was tough to say the least. And after a couple of IUIs, two IUIs, one medicated, one not. When did they tell you to do the IUIs? Like immediately? Yeah, they said let's okay. let's try let's try to do some IUIs. You know, you'll probably get pregnant. So They're... the doctor
0: just like ghosted you, basically? Or he like... basically
1: did, and okay. he basically That's like wor- had me work with his nurse.
0: Okay. Not and that nurses aren't incredible, no, obviously, of course. but that's interesting.
1: Yes. This was my very first, like, like real experience, because here I had gone to an RE and worked directly with this old school doctor mm-hmm. and rarely saw his nurse, except for when she was, like, in the room for, okay. you know, the reasons. Right. And... Then I flipped to one of these big, you know, institutional style clinics that we all hear about that are associated with these amazing labs. And I rarely saw my doctor after, you know, he basically sold me on
0: coming to his clinic. Gotcha. So did it feel more of like an assembly line kind of thing? It was a factory. Total factory.
1: Okay. So he said, let's, everything looks great. Because again, once you switch, you have to go through all of the tests again. So here I am like, you know. 34 at this point, and I'm, like, doing all the tests a second time and pincushioned and blood drawn and all the things, and it's like the fun never ends, right? Um, right? So I did the IUIs. I did one first non-medicated because the doctor said, everything looks great. We're going to get you pregnant in no time because that is what doctors love to sometimes say, or at least that's what they used to say. Yeah. And... And if your doctor is still saying that, that's a problem because I feel like that sets up these crazy expectations and these thoughts in our heads that mm-hmm. you know, just are unrealistic because nobody can determine whether or not you're actually going to get pregnant. So fast forward, I did two IUIs and on the second IUI that was medicated, um, I got a nasty cyst, the first time I've ever had a cyst in my life. And mm-hmm. it was so painful and so uncomfortable. And it also set me back in terms of treatment for about six months because it actually grew before it sort of dissolved and oh wow disappeared okay so i had to do monthly monitor- monitoring and um and the ultrasounds and all sorts of um, tests to make sure that it was, in fact, not getting worse. Right, and it did get worse before it got better.
0: And they didn't want to remove it, or they were just watching it to see because that would be another see. surgery, right? Exactly. So you're, okay.
1: And I, know, I didn't actually have the first surgery, so that would have been
0: another suggestion of a surgery. Exactly. Okay, gotcha.
1: So, the cyst went away. Okay. And I went back to the same group, the same clinic. And asked to switch doctors because I just needed a different nurse at this point. And yeah. I met with a new doctor who I really liked. She was great. she I did my homework this time. I started seeing her. In other words, I started seeing her nurse, who and her nurse was great. I feel like I'm talking about like I'm in a relationship. I'm seeing my nurse? <laughs> yes and so You're lightly dating yes i was lightly dating my nurse and um so i realized you know after a couple of like maybe not even a, a week of of getting into what we were going to go into like a third round and we were starting to do all the blood draws and what have you this kept reverting me back to my second re so my first doctor in that same clinics mm-hmm. um nurse and i i just i couldn't i couldn't deal especially after everything that I had just been through with the cyst and sort of her right. lack of everything. And quite possibly she may have given me too much of a medicine which induced the cyst in the first place, oh, which wow. was maybe not a part of the actual protocol. Mm-hmm. She, anyway, so I'm not trying to shift blame. I just am saying that she wasn't my person and I just didn't want to deal with her again. Yeah, um, that's so fair. So going on to the third RE, or yeah, at this point... They kept reverting me back to the second Aries nurse, and and after a while, I was just like, this is never gonna change. Mm -hmm. If they can't figure this out and they're this unorganized, what else are they gonna be unorganized about? And that scared me. Mm -hmm. So I left, and um, I thought, okay, I'm gonna go the private practice route this way, this time. So I chatted with another friend who Mm -hmm. had great success with her RE, and she said, "Oh my gosh, this RE is so amazing. It's a private practice. I highly recommend mm-hmm. that you go see her." And um, granted, this friend of mine had a completely different, you know, issue right. than I did. I didn't even have my unexplained status yet. I didn't have a status yet. But she, you know, had amenorrhea. She never had a period. Like she had a different situation altogether. Mm-hmm. And this doctor had definitely helped her through and through a couple times at this point. And so I thought, all right, I'm gonna go see this doctor. This doctor gets really great, you know, reviews elsewhere and anyway. So I went to said doctor and um, just figured, okay, this doctor I see all the time. She knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. She's certainly very good at, at her craft, so to speak. I'm gonna let her do all of the things and I'm just gonna go do the rest of my life. So I threw myself into my, my corporate job and the travel and the eating out all the time and mm-hmm. the, just, like, the stuff that comes along with being a workaholic. I did that part, and then I just did whatever she told me to do. Okay. But I compartmentalized it. Like, it really right. was not—I didn't want it to be happening to me.
0: Oh, it was sort of, like,
1: something I, I like, roadblocked. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we were moving into IVF. And I think that was part of it. I just like didn't want to actually deal with it. Huh. She's the expert. She's going to get me pregnant. Right. I'm the expert in marketing and all these other things. And that's what I'm going to focus on and I'm going to be good at. And I'm just not going to think about.
0: Yeah. That I can see stuff. that. It's almost like a self-protective thing, right? Like totally. you had to, you had to do that probably mentally after all you'd been through so far.
1: I really felt like that was the only way I was going to get through dealing with, the needles. Mm-hmm. So, we did a first round of IVF. Okay. And we retrieved eight eggs, and none of them made it to a blastocyst state. Mm. So, by all t- intents and purposes, I guess you'd call that a fail. Okay. And um, my How did doctor- you guys
0: feel? How were you and your husband doing, like emotionally? And-
1: I mean, All after that. one fail, I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, I don't really know what to expect because there wasn't really community yet. Like, I didn't know. Like, what does this mean? And my doctor is telling me, like, "Oh, you know, it's it's it usually takes a couple of times. Like, no big deal. Don't worry about it." Okay. Meanwhile, you know, like we're like throwing away mm-hmm. God knows how much, you know, right. money. And how old were you at this point? At this point, I'm probably I you don't know, almost. 36-ish, I think, or around So it had been a
0: couple years that you guys had been trying.
1: Going through the fun stuff, yes, and seeing the different doctors and dating around, so to speak. (laughs) And I saw my doctor um, for the second IVF, and we started going through all of the protocols. And again, you know, I asked, is there, like, anything that I can do? What can I do? Mm -hmm. Because I am type A, and I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm sure there's something I can do to help. No, there's nothing you can do to help. Just eat a Mediterranean diet. Okay. Eat a Mediterranean diet and um, don't overexert yourself. And uh, what what does that mean? Like, are you for real? Like, (laughs) first of all, like, I don't know about you, but I grew up with, like, the four food groups. And so I'm like, a Mediterranean diet? Okay. Well, that must mean that I'm going to go to, like, the local, like, Greek restaurant or like bodega or mm-hmm. whatever, and just and just get Greek food mm-hmm. because that must mean Mediterranean, sure, right? Right, right. So I mean, anything in olive oil that has to be Mediterranean, <laughs> right? So I uh, <laughs> that was extent of the knowledge I, that I had on, on at, about nutrition at the time. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, um, we go through IVF number two, and. I am awaiting the results of my second retrieval at this point. So at this point, um, we are awaiting our results for our second IVF and the retrieval part, portion of it. So we had retrieved nine eggs for this particular round. And I found out while I was away on a business trip that none of them made it to blastocyst. Oh my God. And at this point, I wanted to bang my head on a wall because Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, how I didn't think that this was going to be so effing hard. Right. Why is it taking so long? Right. Why is this not working? And my doctor's response to me was, well, you're unexplained. And to somebody who's type A, that's like the worst thing you can hear. Because like, <laughs> right. how do you solve something if you don't know what the problem is? Yes. Right? So perfectly said. Yes. So. Wow. Okay. I'm unexplained. So what do you recommend I do now? She said, well, listen, you know, I think we should do a third IVF. And if it doesn't work, I don't know if I can help you. Wow. Harsh. To say the least. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, like I'm, I'm at this point, I'm, I'm in a bathroom stall, in one of these like beautiful, big like resort conference like spaces, right. on like your work hiding trip. out oh. on my business trip oh. in between meetings, like trying to like digest this information and mm-hmm. trying not to lose my shit, mm-hmm. and you know look like Courtney Love in my next set of meetings, right? (laughs) With mascara down to my chin. Right. So I I took her information and said, all right, I'm going to think about this and I'll let you know. I didn't know, like, what I wanted to do next. I did know, like, pretty shortly thereafter that I needed to break up with her, Mm -hmm. that she was not my person. Mm -hmm. I also knew that I needed a break. Mm -hmm. I needed a break from all the craziness. That night... I didn't say why, but I I went out with a couple of colleagues and got Mm shit-faced. I think I drank, like, two bottles to myself. (laughs) I hadn't been that hungover in that next set of meetings that next morning, and so, like it had been so long since I had been that hungover, I oh remember God, thinking, like, yeah. was it worth it? And <laughs> thinking, yes, one hundred and ten percent. I needed those two bottles of wine last night right. to survive. Yeah. So I took like seven months off. I took seven months off. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal. Right. Because I felt like there had to be something that I could do, and I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand why. None of of these doctors that I had been seeing, like, couldn't come up with an idea as to how I could possibly help.
0: Right. Were you doing anything on your own, like, the Google Google rabbit hole or, like, asking friends? Or you said there wasn't that much of a community yet at this point. But, like, how were you as a type A person, as you describe yourself, how were you dealing? Like, you want to get to the bottom of it, kind of. Or were you just like, I'm just going to not deal with that right now and just... So
1: I basically fell down the – initially, I fell down the, the Google rabbit hole, right? And, and this was the period of time where – gosh, I want to say this was – so this is 20 – this is the beginning of twenty six, end of 2015, beginning of 2016 at this point. Mm-hmm. And I would sort of do drive-bys on them,
0: like sure, the way I do on lurk. Yelp. Yeah. yeah, I
1: was a lurker, like on right. Yelp, you know? Like, I don't actually contribute all that much. And I I, I know, like, it's a horrible thing to say. But, like, I would – look at everyone's reviews, but I wouldn't necessarily I think engage. that's normal.
0: I did a little bit of that, too. It's like you either connect with people or you don't, and those weren't your people. No. But you, you might be able to glean some information, so you're, like, always searching, like, if there's one little tidbit in there that you can pull.
1: And there was some scary stuff on some of yeah. those forums. Yeah. Like, it's the end of the world. You're dying. You're not infertile. I mean, I don't even think that they use the word infertile. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, it was like, oh my God, you probably have, you know, this disease and this is why you can't get pregnant. And I, I, it was just like, it was never good news. It was never a good idea. So I stopped Mm -hmm. with that business and decided to myself an amazing pity party. I think I like locked myself in our um, den. I mean, it wasn't so long. It was probably like a good two to three days. And, okay, and just kind of like watch sappy like uh-huh. romantic movies. You know, that inevitably resulted in someone probably getting pregnant, which made things <laughs> so much worse. Right. And It sounds amazing, though. Oh, was, it was like a full on pity party, and I had a lot of wine as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a lot of chocolate involved. Okay, that's kind of like the 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 bits and pieces I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember my Sunday... It was like, yeah, it was like Friday, Saturday. And it was a Sunday night-ish type of a thing. I came to and decided, okay, this is enough. I need to stop with the pity party. This is ridiculous. You need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. This is not who you are. Get your shit together and do something about it. So I started Googling. But this time, instead of going the forum route, I started Googling the what is, you know... What is out there, like, fertility book-wise? Like, what can I read that's going to give me any, like, information that is is science or research-based? Because mm-hmm. I don't believe my doctor in that there is nothing that I can do, right? right. Mm-hmm. And and I had tried, like, the acupuncture, and I had had some really sketchy, like, experiences, like, with the Chinatown um, acupuncturist. Like, one, like, actually burned my foot on a heat lamp. Like, I, I mean, oh, like, my I had some, like, insane... Insane experiences with acupuncturists um, mm-hmm. and herbs and like all the things. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I, I I decided that I was gonna do this research and and the first thing I found that
0: seemed like legit. actually
1: legit
0: was it all starts with the egg. Oh yeah, by Rebecca Fetch. Sure. Yes, that book has come up a bunch of times in different episodes. Yeah.
1: And I loved what she had to say. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I felt like we were just on the same path. We were around the same age. She had had these failed cycles. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe she had a similar, like, we had a lot of things in common. I don't know if she was able to carry. So that's why the egg retrieval process was so important for her. Mm -hmm. But I I don't want to put words in. All I know is that. We had a very similar story in that our cycles were failing us Mm -hmm. and we were unexplained. Mm -hmm. And I read this book. I gleaned so much great information off of it in terms of, wow, there is something that I can do. There is something that I can do. I can pay attention to what I'm putting in on and around my body. I learned a lot about the supplements, right, and all those kinds of things, but just enough to be dangerous. And then I realized that I really (laughs) didn't know, like much about nutrition at all i mean it was great to learn it's great to read a book and get some information but come on like that's not the big picture so i left that that sort of book concept thinking i need to know more about nutrition so i started investigating schools where i could do a deep dive in a short period of time and learn about nutrition i love it so I found um, Carrie Glassman's nutrition school mm-hmm. and did the course which was I wanna say like four months long and gave me that sort of deep dive, that interest and that, that knowledge about nutrition mm-hmm. that I had never known before. And it wasn't fertility
0: focused necessarily, it was just general nutrition.
1: General nutrition.
0: Yeah. And I feel like everybody should do that at one point in their lives. I know that, you know, you get it in school a little bit, but there's just so much that people don't including myself, don't know about how that affects everything.
1: It affects everything. And there's so much misinformation. Right. I mean, there's so much misinformation out there. And this is the building blocks. You know, these are the building blocks to any sort of diet. Mm-hmm. So I decided that even though this is not necessarily fertility specific, I can take this information and use this as my foundation for a healthier diet and lifestyle. So I did. Mm-hmm. I became Nutritious Life certified. In other words, I, I have my... Um, holistic health practitioner's license and I didn't do that because I wanted to become a health coach for anyone else but I really just wanted to learn about nutrition and how to nurture myself That's and great. I took that as sort of a jumping off point I did um, a plant based nutrition certification through Cornell that also helped uncover the next level and kind of got through like okay well th- well these are the things that are important for a diet and these are the things that are real and these are the things that are fabricated as a result of politics and the life we live in mm-hmm. and the you know the diseases of affluence and like all of the different kinds of things that play in and through that i sort of took these these two learnings and realized like wow there's a reason why you know Maybe my body isn't necessarily responding as well to the treatment or is as fertile as it could potentially be. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's maybe it's my diet. Mm-hmm. So through all these learnings, I, I came up with an anti-inflammatory sort of route. OK. And decided, well, listen, if this can help save people's, li- people's lives and this can help people with cancer and this can help people who have inflammation, and inflammation is definitively a cause of poor egg quality. Like, why could this? Why couldn't this potentially work for me? Right. So I'm just gonna try it. Sure. It can only benefit me. Uh huh. So I went on a largely like plant-based, whole foods uh-huh. diet, with a side of meat, uh-huh. but in fish. But went a little bit more. I just I went a little bit more on the lean side of right. things and ate more fruits and vegetables and salads. By the way, where than I the ever Where the wine had. fit into this? I know That's that is important. so important. <laughs> Natural know. wine,
0: organic wine. So
1: no wine. Okay, I never gave up wine. Okay. <laughs> um, I will say that there was a <clears throat> there was a period of time where I cut down on wine or, you know, didn't maybe drink for the retrieval process. Right. But wine has always been a part of the equation. The fact of the matter is, is that the wine still fits in and you have to live, right? You have to do 80-20. Just don't get smashed. Right. Right. Don't get smashed. And I, I just, I stopped drinking, you know, a lot. I maybe had like a glass of wine a week as opposed to having a bottle and a half on a Friday night and then doing that again on a Saturday night. By the way, I was splitting it with my husband. I sure. wasn't, like, right, no. taking no it judgment all here. down no by myself judgment. at this point. But I, I changed that a yeah. little bit. I so did, did you feel better? I did
0: slow my caffeine intake. I totally slowed down my caffeine intake. Okay. I felt so much better. Yeah. And were you ready to get back into treatment? Or when when did you go back in?
1: So that coupled with being in a better headspace about it. Like, I actually started doing things that served me. If I, I'd go to acupuncture only if it felt like... I wasn't stressed
0: out, right? Because sometimes it was just like stressful to get there. I, that's so funny. I remember my acupuncturist saying that same thing to me, and I was like, I called all stressed out. and was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to come today, but I don't want to miss the appointment. And she was like, You're missing the point. If you're stressed out about coming to acupuncture, it's not going to help. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I it's so go. true. Yeah, and and
1: I had to learn that point as well. Yeah, it's but funny. It mm-hmm. is, but it's a it's it's really a thing. I think we're mm-hmm. so like decidedly, you know. Wow! Like this is going to be the steps in which I'm going to get pregnant, and I have to do it this mm-hmm. way. And I think we totally missed the point. Mm-hmm. So I learned that lesson as well. I started working out differently. Mm-hmm. I started doing more yoga, less Tracy Anderson. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tracy Anderson. It's a great workout, mm-hmm. but it wasn't it
0: wasn't for you me. at that point.
1: My Got adrenaline it. levels were like crazy after gotcha. leaving that class. Yeah, I'm sure that was not benefiting my cortisol. You mm-hmm. know. So anyway, I uh, I t- had taken these seven months. I ended up at a, a brunch. I remember I was it was August of twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. and I ended up at a brunch and happened to be sitting next to this designer, who was so nosy about whether or not I wanted kids. And I was kind of like, hmm. Are you kidding? Male me? Male or female? Female. It was a small like women's okay. luncheon, and and she really kept pressing. And I around this time thought, Okay, I kind of want to come out with a blog. I don't really want anyone to find it, but I want to come out with a blog just so like I can put it out there because right. I feel like there are other people that need to be in my shoes or not need to be that maybe in my shoes that that need I could potentially to, talking yeah, to, 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 to relate to, right? Yeah. So I, I finally, after like ten questions and ten avoidance answers on my part, I told her that um, I had in fact been trying. And it was so weird. It was like, you know, when you like you do the name game about like old friends and colleagues and the stuff. We
0: just did this at lunch before this recording. Yes. Right? Yeah.
1: So her and I were doing this with doctors. It was, it was Oh, Because she had gone through it too? So she came out finally that she had been through IVF and that we had some of these doctors in common. And she basically told me in her words to stop fucking around. And the only doctor that I needed to go see was in Colorado. Oh. And, and granted, I was like, "How am I going to pull that off?" You're like, "Are you, you going to send me, me on your PJ?" Like,
0: what? <laughs> Wait. So it's interesting though that she was pressing you so hard, having gone through it herself. You would think she would have a little more sensitivity to I your think, situation.
1: I think we have sensitivity because, like, we are so we are so involved, and we have so much interest, like that is vested in the space, right? So we're we pay attention to what could potentially be uh, or not be offending someone. We never want to offend someone, Mm -hmm. right, or trigger someone. I think the old school, like, group, I shouldn't say old school, but, like, the original of the Mohicans mm. like they I don't think they thought of things maybe that way okay. I think it, for her at least for her and in, in, in the way that she was sort of describing all of it it was like the means to an ends, yeah. end for her so she's
0: like go to Colorado go to Colorado go to Colorado see my doctor
1: and I remember thinking well like I've read about him and it all starts with the egg and I know that he's probably got like so many people that want to see him. Like I don't know how I'm going to get in to see this mm-hmm. person and like how am I going to do this with Colorado? Around that time they had a uh, satellite office that was that was um, opening up in New York and so she said you may be able to do labs in New York and you may be able to travel to Colorado for the rest of everything. And so I said okay, well let me just try to get an appointment first. So I called And I felt so weird because she told me to drop her name. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm name dropping. This is Mm -hmm. so weird. I'm name dropping to try to get a new doctor. Mm -hmm. This is doctor number five at this Mm -hmm. point. I was able to get the appointment. Three weeks later, we had a phone consult. I will say that he interviewed us just as much as as we interviewed him. Hmm. And by the end of the conversation, I felt like, okay, this is my person. He actually is motivated to win. He, despite my my previous fails, and he believes in the stuff that I do. That like I can potentially make a difference through my diet and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Potentially. When I say potentially, I'm using it lightly because I don't want anyone to think that it's the cure. Right. Um, I just think it put me in a better headspace to know that I could, as a Type A person, control some element of this. I could control what I was putting in my body Mm -hmm. and I could also control, you know, in some cases how I felt and less bloat, for example, because I was, you know, eating more fermented foods and I was eating, you know, or taking probiotics. Like, so I was able to actually feel better during the process. Right. Okay. No one feels great. Right. But like I felt better Mm -hmm. than I had in the other, you Mm -hmm. know, goes around. So in any case, I liked this person, this doctor was my person, Mm -hmm. and I didn't need somebody who was gonna be my cheerleader, I wanted somebody who was gonna help me get shit done.
0: Yeah, and um, that baby.
1: Yeah, that's right, so IVF number three, we, oh my God, it sounds like, I wanna say like we farmed because (laughs) it feels like we harvested. We harvested, um, we retrieved 16 eggs. Wow. Which was so much greater than anything I'd had prior to, and this is almost, I mean, at this point, it's, like, nine months after the last IVF. And so I'm almost a year older, and I'm getting higher, like, more eggs mm-hmm. and better quality. Mm-hmm. This time we got two blastocysts, mm-hmm. and we genetically tested them. Mm-hmm. And that felt like such an accomplishment to even get to that Yes, because you hadn't space. been there yet
0: before. No. That's huge.
1: And when we heard that we had, like, one that was viable and that we were actually going to get to transfer, yeah. I rem- remember thinking... Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. Science is cool. Science is so cool. Yeah. So we did our our very first transfer in... um, At this point, this was like February-ish of 2017. And... I literally like almost peed myself when <laughs> the nurse called and told me that my blood test was positive and that we were gonna going to have a baby. Yay! I mean that was uh, amazing. It was so chills. surreal.
0: Yeah, I the best phone call in the world.
1: It was the best phone call in the entire world. And the funny, they say congratulations, you're pregnant. I don't know what they said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of feels like my marriage proposal, <laughs> and maybe it really like felt like that to a degree too. Like it, Where you it just was blackout, right? Like yeah. we talked about the dating of our doctors, right? Like I finally like found like the doctor and the group that like I wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, and now I'm getting a proposal, right? Like I'm getting this baby, exactly. And so. Um, I peed on the stick for yes. the very first time because I like didn't really believe it. I thought, hmm, what if they made a mistake? Right. What if they called the wrong person? Exactly, <laughs> you know. And the test said positive, and I like literally <sighs> so just so great. Was so I like I wanted to keep that pee stick forever.
0: Yeah, I kept yeah.
1: mine. You did. Yeah.
0: Does it still say pregnant on it? Um, or plus? It's in a box somewhere in our storage closet. I like wonder
1: if it ever goes away. Um, I think I
0: have I think I might have I don't think I have one for my son, but I think I have one for my daughter. That's amazing. I have one of them. Yeah, it's kinda gross. It's I mean, in it a, is it's kind of like a ziploc. But... It's not like loose.
1: <laughs> but it is like really cool for like our like our it's world. Weird, yeah. Um,
0: I should find it figure out I don't even know. I, but like, that's great. So I actually you're... think
1: you need to. Yeah, okay. It I, like belongs I'll get back in museum. to the biggest. <laughs>
0: Okay, so... um, So you're pregnant. So I'm pregnant.
1: So that happened. And I would say, like, the pregnancy was, like, itself was really, you know, non-eventful. Like, it was just like a normal pregnancy. I actually wanted to forget that all of this was actually happening. Yeah. Like, that that I was, quote-unquote, infertile. Right. Because... I felt like, oh my God, maybe you know, like maybe now that I'm in this space, like I can just forget it, and and it has, to, it can be like it never actually took place
0: or sure. ever happened to me. I think that's very normal, yeah. And I had
1: the baby, and then um, in November of 2017. Yes. And then... She's the cutest. She's so sweet. Can you say her name? Her name is Kiara.
0: She's so cute. Kiara, she's healthy. Healthy
1: and the best thing ever that mm-hmm. happened to me. She has a boyfriend. She totally does. <laughs> her two-year-old boyfriend. Outside of the fact that, yes, my husband is amazing too. But she just is my
0: light. Right. I get and, it. I get it.
1: And so I, I think I wanted to forget about the infertility. And then in the middle of yep. the night when you know she was like crying you know some parents are a certain way I think I was always like oh my god it's so cute she's crying she's here I'm just so happy you yes. know like I, I would never allow myself to feel any like pangs of frustration because I'd be like oh my god I worked so hard for you
0: yes I'm just glad you're here that. I'm yeah. so
1: grateful I would say 20 gosh, this is 2017 I would say 20 end of 2018 we started thinking well maybe you know maybe we should do this again right my gosh, Mm -hmm. I mean, like worst, best idea. I don't know what idea that was. Right, right. I started my fourth IVF. We knew that it was going to be difficult to travel back to Colorado. So we stayed with the same group, a different doctor, but same group that had done my labs for IVF number three Mm -hmm. and um, got into it. So I did a retrieval and that was by this point, like April-ish, I guess, of 2019 Okay, and got five eggs. I was kind of bummed. Not, I mean, in -hmm. full transparency, I was bummed. I got five.
0: Yeah, but all five fertilized, which
1: was sort of a a great, you know, win right out of the gate. So I was like, okay, we have five. My husband didn't fuck anything up here. This is great. (laughs) And then one made it to blastocyst. Okay. And also proved to be genetically normal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we had another transfer situation, which we were excited about. Mm-hmm. But I needed a like, I needed a break. I just didn't feel like the timing was right. I wanted to take the rest of the spring and the summer off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in my head, you know, had all the calculations like, okay, we're gonna do this again in the fall, and and we started we started doing the game, the game where you start planning everything in advance right. because you expect you'll be expecting. I mean, so crazy. Yes. Anyway, so we get to the fall time frame and I start prepping for this next phase, which is the transfer. And my doctor says, "You know, your results have kind of been all over the place. Your quality does seem to be better, and maybe that is as a result of the diet and all the the things." but it does seem to be all over the map. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that we are implanting at the right time. And so because we never really know, I want you to take this test, this ERA, to see how receptive the endometrial lining will be, so to speak. And during that test, which was so uncomfortable, it was like that biopsy was way more uncomfortable than probably you know any other procedure I have ever had during the treatment, but it, it, for the very first time, determined that I have silent endometriosis. Okay. So what does that mean exactly? So what that means is that I have endometriosis. So I have the ability for my endometrium to spill outside Mm -hmm. of my
0: Uterus and but the silent part of it just means you never really had any traditional symptoms, or no
1: traditional symptoms, okay. or nothing that I would have seen as abnormal. Gotcha. Like who doesn't get cramps
0: during their period? Sure, but I that mean, could have been what's been affecting you all along, or it's hard to say.
1: It's hard to say, but it's possible. It's, mm-hmm. it's possible that the endometriosis could have been what created the strangulated bowels when I was twenty-two. Wow. It may not have necessarily been scar tissue. Gotcha. I mean, at least that's what my doctors are saying now, okay. But we will never know, right? And we didn't want to play the chance game mm-hmm. in the fact that we I only had one embryo to work with. So we decided to we, my doctor recommended, and I agreed that um I should be put into a sort of a an induced menopause. So at least I know what I'm up for.
0: To stop the the endo from spreading or like
1: Yeah, to, to basically s- like reduce okay. the amount of inflammation. Sympt- okay. Gotcha. So the, the idea of of going into sort of a a, a a indu an induced menopause is to help lower any inflammation so mm-hmm. that it doesn't get in the way of a possible implantation. So I started that in October of twenty nineteen and that was like six weeks of sustained birth control, so no placebo in between, and then November-ish was it November? So probably like, yeah, middle of November. Six weeks, October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, middle of November. At this point, I took my first Lupron Depot shot. I remember getting that shot and being so scared out of my mind. I mean, literally on the cover, it says this. You know, this is a cancer treatment, and the the injection is is flipping huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ginormous. Yeah. I had to go into the office. They actually wanted to, like, scan the barcode that was on it. It was, like, very all, you know, very, very specific. Right. And, yes, scientific, but very procedural. Yes. Like, so much so that it it actually, like, frightened me a lot. Yeah. And so I did that in November, and then I did a second Lubron Depot in December. And middle of January, I started the traditional well, I mean, what's traditional, but a protocol, if you will, for my transfer. So that was like the daily Lupron Mm -hmm. and the the reintroduction of estrogen through the patches and eventually the PO and all of the other in the suppositories and all this stuff that Mm -hmm. goes with it. So we did my transfer on January 29th of this year. So close to a year in the making. And... I don't know. I I'd had a weird morning. I'd had a weird day. I think we talked a little bit about this. I'd been seeing a lot of things in the community. I I think I just was not in the right headspace, for sure. But I I wasn't trying to like add any sort of definition to it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. I just went into the transfer not one hundred percent. Obviously, like who knows if it's ever gonna work. I remember seeing the picture you know of the actual embryo it had completely hatched and that was so encouraging that was so cool to see like oh my gosh my little baby's hatching he's Mm -hmm. just so he's just like jumping and ready Mm -hmm. ready to be inside of my uterus right and that is so cool and then i got to see my doctor actually put the embryo into my uterus and implant it Mm -hmm. And see it all nestled and warm and cozy. So I had this, like, image in my head. Yeah. That it's there. It's cozy. It's warm. Yes. And this is going to work. I mean, because it has to. Because, like, how can I possibly lose this at this point? He looks, he or she, Mm -hmm. looks so cozy. Anyway, fast forward to the end of my two-week wait. Mm -hmm. And... I got a phone call, missed the effing phone call, because my ringer was off. Oh. Um, I, like, didn't expect... I, I literally, They left you a message? They left me a message. They didn't say what happened. Okay. They left me this message, and they said, you know, call us back. But the voice, like, did not sound encouraging. Yeah. The voice sounded sad, so I immediately went into this weird zone of, okay, I know this didn't work. And, of course, it's a Saturday. This is actually a Saturday. That, that I took the blood test and that they had the results for me. So I knew that I wasn't going to get through to anyone. So I'm like freaking out. Like, uh, okay, I'm not going to get through to anyone, whatever. So um, I peed on a stick and okay. it said negative. So I knew. I knew. And meanwhile, I had sent a, a text message to my doctor because that is how this practice rolls. And they're really fantastic and, and wonderful partners and all of it. And he called me back. He just happened to be in Colorado with my, my OG. Okay. Um, doctor. And um, he had to, you know, he gave me the results and yeah. said, I'm so sorry, but this didn't, you know, this, uh, you're not pregnant. And um, I'm so sorry. And this is new
0: news. This is for so you. new. You just found this out. A yeah. week ago. Yeah. And I'm so sorry.
1: Thank you. But I also know that. There are so many things that I'm grateful for, my daughter being one of them. Right. And I want to say lessons that I learned during this last round. Completely. Not necessarily that I did anything wrong, because I don't feel like I did anything wrong to learn a lesson, but it made me very aware of certain things. Like, I have not been great ever since moving from the corporate arena into my own like entrepreneurial space. I've not been great about my boundaries. Mm. I have not been great about, you know, setting up the expectations around them. Mm
0: -hmm. I've
1: been saying yes to everything Mm. because I want to, I want everyone to feel good all of the time. Right. But I think I was also doing it at the expense of
0: my own energy. Yes. That makes sense learn so, to say no, right.
1: I'm learning, right. Yes. I'm learning to say, no, we're not right now. Sure. Even yeah. if I, cause in my gut, like I'll know
0: whether I want to do something. Yeah. Or even I'm sorry, I can't right now. It's right. Like, yeah.
1: That's actually the hardest for me. Yeah. I will get there.
0: Right. That's
1: like yeah. Baby steps. Okay. Sure. Sure. But that was the first yeah. real major learning and just remembering and counting my blessings and the yeah. gratitude that, that I have, right. I have been so blessed to have a child through this process it did take five treatments and three IVFs, but wow, I have a beautiful, very smart baby girl, and um, and I'm so fortunate. It, it it reminds me that it's it's a numbers game and it's a luck game. It's it's not it's science, and yes, we can do all the things to try to make ourselves feel better during mm-hmm. the process, but in the end, it's it's a gamble, just like anything else. And so I think it just brings me back to why. This life and this community is just so important Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. because you, even during the, like the darkest moments, I feel like we're all there for each other. Like we can be in our own dark moment and we can still be there for someone else. Mm -hmm. The community is very reciprocal. And, and I feel, I feel really, I feel really grateful to be there. Yeah. And I think the next question that's already starting to pipe up is, will you try again? Sure.
0: But we don't even need to, you don't even need to answer that.
1: And I'm right not ready now. to. Yeah. And that's I okay. Because right. right now for the very first time in a long time, in a year, yeah. I'm actually living in the present. Yes. I'm actually like able to like be here and I'm not thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow or the shot I need to take tonight or, you know, if I'm going to be pregnant in X amount of months and what my life will look like for travel in six months nine months and blah 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 like yes can i go far away in december of this year at this point right you know and the answer is yeah you can you know if 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 you want to like you're not going to be in a situation (laughs) where you're going to be you know dealing with an infant again yes so i think that there's all these things that play out in my head That I'm grateful for. Yeah, and and yes, it would have been wonderful to have a second, and and maybe we still will. Right. Maybe we won't. Maybe not. Yeah. There's always a path if if we really want it. I do believe in options. I believe in all of the other things that are out there. But if this is meant to be, yeah. And this is meant to be, you know, the way things are right now. It's enough. It's enough. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for all of it.
0: Thanks again, guys, for listening to my convo with Natalie. And Natalie, thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. And I just want to say that obviously there's a really scary and uncertain times. And I think everybody is kind of feeling a little shell-shocked right now. So I hope that this podcast is bringing people together and giving you guys a sense of not feeling so alone when it comes to infertility and just in general as humans we are all in this together we are all here for each other so I hope you guys stay healthy and safe and I'm going to keep the podcast coming each week so hopefully it will give you a little bit of normalcy and with that I will talk to you next time thanks